0: Welcome to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and today's show is brought to you by Amazon Pharmacy. Yep, that Amazon. Amazon Pharmacy delivers a better pharmacy experience that delivers directly to your door and works with most insurance plans. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and for all of us in the Not Old Better Show audience who are asking a lot of questions these days about CBD, THC, medical marijuana, hemp, and what these terms mean to us for health purposes, we have an amazing guest today who will unpack all of that and more. Thank you so much for listening. As I say, we've got a great guest today, one who I've been looking forward to talking with for a while and who I'll introduce in just a moment. But quickly, if you missed any episodes, last week was our 673rd episode. And I spoke to Stephen Pitalo, who is the founder of the music video time machine. Two weeks ago, in another great interview, I spoke to Smithsonian associate and author, physician, and scientist, Dr. Barbara Natterson Horowitz, about animal health and human health, and how those two are linked together. Oh, wonderful, wonderful stuff. If you miss those shows, along with any others, you can go back and check them out, along with my entire back catalog of shows all free for you there on our website, notold-better.com. And if you leave a review, we will read it at the end of each show. Please leave your reviews on Apple Podcasts for us. They mean a lot. Well, on to our guest today. You know, I have done shows on the subjects of CBD, THC, pain relief, medical marijuana, hemp, and what these subjects mean to our audience here on the Not Old Better show. But today's guest will help us get current, learn of all of the new legislation that's out there, and how medical cannabis is quickly gaining support for pain, sleep, and our pets. Our guest today is Dr. David Berger. Dr. David Berger is a board-certified physician with more than 25 years of clinician experience and has gained a national reputation for his expertise as a medical cannabis specialist. Dr. Berger launched his Holistic Relief Clinic in 2016 to help qualified patients use medical cannabis as a treatment option. After recognizing the need for heartfelt education about medical cannabis that extends beyond his medical practices and reaches non-patients and colleagues worldwide in 2001, Dr. David Berger launched his media and education company, Dr. David M.D., with his video series, Your Health Your Choice, focusing on issues related to health, education, and medical choice on medical cannabis. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show on radio and podcast, Dr. David Berger. Dr. David Berger, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. It's nice to talk to you.
0: It's good to talk to you today, too. I hope you're well and your family. I think, you're going to just have to tell me, confirm this, but I believe that you are Florida-based, and so... Our thoughts, our prayers are with everyone in Florida, and I hope you and your family are all doing well.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're up in the Tampa area, so it it went to the south of us. You know, we had some yucky weather, but thank goodness by us, we did fine, unfortunately. Not everybody did. It's very sad what we're seeing.
0: It's very sad what we're seeing, absolutely. And, uh, you yeah, know, of course, um, we do wish everyone a, um, a recovery that, uh, you know, at least gets things back too uh, close to where they were. I know from the images, it's just a devastation. But uh, good to talk to you today. And thank you for your time.
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, we're going to talk about healthcare uh, for the fifty-plus age community, of which I am squarely. Uh, well, I'm I'm not even squarely. In, I'm sixty-five, so I'm I'm above the fifty-plus age community, <laughs> and I want to talk about uh, medical marijuana uh, for those of us over age fifty, because I think it's an important conversation to have. You are very much a believer, a practitioner. Um, and well known for your work in this uh, in this area of medicine so i guess maybe just begin by telling us what what motivated you? Because I imagine in medical school, you know, you probably didn't have a a THC class or a CBD class or, but, but maybe you did. And, uh, but you have to kind of be motivated on your own, I I suppose, in order to be part of this medical community. But, but tell us a little bit about what motivates you and what's brought you to this place in your career.
1: Yeah, sure. So I I am a few years into the 50 plus club myself. So I, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, so I did my PD, my residency my pediatric residency back in uh, in the late 90s at Tampa General Hospital where there was absolutely no discussion because obviously there was no medical cannabis to be discussed. So really the only thing you ta- learned about it was like in your drug and alcohol class, you know, type of thing and, and adolescent exposure and that type of thing. Um, but during my residency, I also became very interested in natural medicine as a whole. I was even given permission to use herbs in the clinic um, down in uh, Tampa General. So when it came around that it became a legal thing in the state of Florida in 2016 – and prefacing it with uh with experiencing being a deadhead and uh, and being on the floor. So I certainly um back in my in my youth had some experience there as well. Um,
0: good, good, good. Yeah. Give um, me that expertise.
1: Yeah. So when when it came around in two thousand, well, I, I was using CBD before two thousand sixteen, but when the law came in for THC you know, both the fact that I was already very comfortable using herbs in a clinical practice, um, had done a lot of research. Actually, my very first English paper in, uh, in in college was why I thought it should be legalized. It was supposed to be a three-page paper, ended up being a 10-page paper with every sentence cited. And uh, so I knew a lot going in. So it just be- – recognizing that so many people were struggling with not getting relief from their medications or having side effects from their medications. And it was something that I certainly felt comfortable enough to give a try for.
0: So, when you say you were using herbs in a clinical setting and in clinical practice, and, and even during your res- residency, what were you using back then? What herbs were you using? Were you using some of the cannabis, uh, you know, herbs even then?
1: No, no. Back then, we we're talking about you know basic stuff like echinacea, golden seal, um, chamomile. Um, you know, feverfew for migraines. Um, you know, some of the more basic types of herbs, garlic, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, cranberry for UTIs.
0: Yeah, all good stuff. And of course, medical marijuana has certainly jumped uh, way up in terms of our conversation. Uh, my audience is particularly interested in this subject, and and so what what. What do we need to know? Those of us who are over age 50, who you know, in my case are 65, what is it that we need to know about medical marijuana today and um, do we have the precision in terms of dosage correct? Uh, is it uh, uh, you know, reasonable for us to assume that um, that there's a, a standardization? Uh, are there um, – Research studies, you know what what is it that we really need to know about in order to get the best treatment if we're considering medical marijuana?
1: Yeah, there's a lot there to unpack. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. let me on'm a legal front of things. It's obviously certainly a legal thing in most states now. the um, the approach that I take it's a very individualized approach. Anybody who says they know the dose for a particular person or for a group of people or for a particular condition, I I wouldn't buy it, Um, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, even though I'm a pediatrician by training, um, I take care of a lot of adults. Um, I think a lot of adults, especially um, people who are seniors, like to be, uh, I think, treated with kids' gloves a little bit. But we are so focused in our practice about education and hand-holding. and a lot of that comes back from my work with with uh, children with autism and the um, needs that those families have. So we take a very educational, individual approach so that we can. kind of guide each patient individually through the process. But there are certainly a couple of things to know. First of all, understanding a little bit about the cannabinoid system, the endocannabinoid system in the first place. So a lot of people don't know, but all mammals, even all vertebrae, and even some subvertebrae, we all make cannabinoids. Those are the active ingredients found in the cannabis plant, but we have endocannabinoids that we make And we have endocannabinoid receptors that are cannabinoids then hit to get the action. And the job of the endocannabinoid system is to maintain balance, what we call homeostasis in the body. And this is particularly so in neurological cells and immunological cells, where if one cell feels like it's being over or under stimulated by the other cell, it sends a message to that other cell saying, hey, step up you know, or calmed down, And so it's this master regulator of our body. So um, the analogy that I make for people is, if you think of our endocannabinoid system, it's like if you take your kid or your grandkid bowling, they get to put the little rails up. So if you go too far left or too far right, it pushes you back to the middle, we end up in the gutter. But if in the case of this, imagine if a person had thrown a really bad bowling ball at a kid it may still hop over those rails unless you built bigger rails. So I think of the endocannabinoid system as the kid-sized rails, but the plant-based cannabinoids, which are stronger as building bigger rails to keep things more in balance, pushing things more towards the middle. So that's one of the important things to understand. And another really important thing is to understand that there are different types of cannabinoids. So everybody has heard about CBD these days. People have heard about THC. One of CBD's primary jobs is to keep our own endocannabinoids around longer to do their job. whereas And the THC more has a direct hit but stronger on those endocannabinoid receptors. Now, because CBD does not have intoxicating effects, but THC does, CBD also lowers or can block the intoxicating effects of THC. So I always recommend starting CBD first, taking a low and slow gradual approach, working up the dose, seeing if benefits need is, is obtained and then bringing the THC in secondarily while keeping the CBD going in order to ease it in so that especially if a person doesn't want that high feeling or doesn't really know how they're going to be with it, then they have this like little buffer there. Now, obviously, lots of people um, in our age group have certainly experience with it and they're very fine with it. So that's part of my my process with them is like, what's your life experience with this so I can know how to talk you through it?
0: Thank you for that. I, I think that's really helpful. I, I've also heard about this Delta Eight and Delta Nine, and I think there is probably it, it probably warrants some some discussion if if you are if you are willing. But I think some of this, some of the answers to to what that is, might even create some reluctance some apprehension on the part of medical doctors to to treat medical conditions with cannabis would you agree
1: yeah well it's certainly in terms of the other doctors I've clearly seen over the last five years six years here in Florida a much greater acceptance um, the number of physicians who are referring patients to us now because they see where we are with the educational aspect of things um, I'm getting a lot of referrals from other doctors now out. doctors that I hadn't even heard of before, but they've seen that I've helped other patients out and they like the handholding approach that we take. so so um, it's becoming more accepted you know as more and more people have used it, they've heard from their patients it's working it's successful I'm not having side effects and you hear it enough times from a patient then you're more likely to take a second look at it if you hadn't previously. Now regarding Delta 8 and Delta 9, so THC itself, When you heat up THC, it becomes 9-delta-THC. So when people are using regular marijuana, they are using predominantly uh, 9-delta-9-THC. Okay, Delta-8-THC is a modified form that you can actually also derive from a hemp-derived form that is not as intoxicating as THC, but it still has the intoxicating effect. Okay, now a lot of you'll see these at smoke shops, hemp shops, CBD shops, etc. And the other thing, though, which is again, this is where it starts to get confusing. So, hemp derived products are not allowed to by federal law to have more than 0.3% THC. So, there is small amounts in there, but that's not a psychoactive, that's not a therapeutic amount. However, What these companies have decided to do is they've taken the hemp-derived CBD, made um, um, a hemp-derived THC, I should say. They keep they make a much much bigger gummy like the size of like a marshmallow type of thing, like a big marshmallow, like when you make s'mores. And with that, they keep it less than 0.3 percent of total total volume while they're still able to put five milligrams, which is typically what you see of THC. So it's almost like a workaround. And, but that's obviously very different than what we're getting from the state dispensaries, which is straight from cannabis. But, you know, the thing that I like about when people get from, um, from dispensaries is the amount of regulation, the testing for things like, you know, for, um, Pesticides and molds and heavy metals—they check every single batch. They make sure that it's accurate. So if it says that this is a five milligram capsule, you're really getting a five milligram capsule. Whereas when you're at the um, when you're at a a a smoke shop, a over-the-counter type of thing, there's a much more of a buyer beware type of thing. And that's why I strongly encourage people to get th- you know get certified and to actually get products that you know are being properly regulated.
0: We'll be right back with Dr. David Berger to talk more about medical cannabis. Please stay tuned. Hey, it's Paul. I just want to share a quick message from today's sponsor, Amazon Pharmacy. You know, many of us in the Not Old Better Show audience are going back and forth to the pharmacy for our medications to stay healthy and vital. When I go to the drugstore, I always seem to wait until the last minute, hoping they'll be open or I get stuck in a line or both. That's why I love Amazon Pharmacy. Yes, that Amazon. (laughs) Amazon Pharmacy delivers a better pharmacy experience that delivers directly to your door and works with most insurance plans. Personally, I use Amazon Pharmacy and it gives me this great sense of relief because you don't have to worry about the ordering, the waiting in line and all that because Amazon's excellent reputation for delivery And you'll be assured that your medication gets delivered to your door so there's no more rushing out to the store hoping to get there before they close. Amazon Pharmacy helps you save time, save money, and stay healthy. There's transparent pricing so you know what you'll pay before you pay it. That is so great today, especially with all of these confusing medications. Prime members can save up to 80% on their prescriptions. And like I mentioned earlier, Amazon Pharmacy works with most major insurance plans. And check this out. If you ever have any questions or problems, real pharmacists are always available at Amazon Pharmacy no matter what time of day or night. Amazon Pharmacy. ...works for your life... ...with meds delivered to your door. It doesn't get any better than that. Switch to Amazon Pharmacy... ...and save time, save money, and stay healthy. Learn more at... ...amazon.com... NOB. That's... ...amazon.com... NOB. Amazon.com... NOB. Average savings based on usage... ...and inside Rx data... ...as compared to cash prices. Average savings for all generics... ...are 78%. ...37% for select brand medications... Restrictions apply. We are with Dr. David Berger. Dr. David Berger is a board-certified pediatrician in the Florida-Tampa area, specifically with more than 25 years' experience treating thousands of patients with special needs. Dr. Berger has a primary practice, holistic pediatrics and family care, also opened the Family Medical Cannabis Clinic some time ago, I think. But uh, Dr. Berger is an expert on... um, THC, medical cannabis, uh, all of these subjects that we are talking about today. So I guess, Dr. Berger, the next question I have for you is what what's led to your confidence in cannabis treatments for, for medical conditions?
1: Well, I'd say first and foremost is six years of being on the front lines and seeing what my patients are doing. The most common side effect of medical cannabis is reduction of other medication. Okay. So it's working. It's being tolerated. People are happy, not just because they're using cannabis. They're happy because they're feeling better. You know, if they get a little extra happiness from the cannabis itself, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Um, but you know, part of, again, where we, it comes back to us about teaching what the proper types of starting doses is. So if, you know, if it's difference if I have a person who says to me, Hey, I've been using street products, I want to know how to convert this over milligrams to what I'm doing versus a patient, a person who's like, yeah, I used a fair about back in my college days, but it's been 25 years, or 30 years, or 50 years, or whatever. Or there's also again, and this is a lot of the seniors that I work with are about, um, hey, I've never done it in my life. You know, everybody keeps telling me to do it. My grandkids are telling me to do it, but I don't have the first um clue as to where to start it. And that's where all of that education is. But those three different people, I would not just talk them through it in terms of some of the lingo. But in terms of the dosing starting points, in terms of the dosing jumping points, in terms of, you know, the different types of products that are out there, because we're not just talking about people smoking a joint or a bong. We're talking about people having the opportunity to vape it. You know, I personally advocate for what's called dry vaping, dry herb vaporizing, where you actually take the flower and you heat it up to a temperature. There's devices for this, that the temperature where the plant doesn't burn it yet the, um, all the active ingredients are released. So you turn it, you you go in green, it comes out brown and broiled, but nothing burnt. So you're not burning anything to your lungs. In my opinion, it's the best combination of safety and effectiveness, but we're talking about edibles. We're talking about sublinguals, topicals, patches, suppositories, vaginal inserts. Um, there are so many different ways that it can be used that a, Uh, qualified clinician needs to also be able to find out from the patient, not only what are their symptoms, but what is it that you'd like to try? Some people don't want to inhale anything at all. Other people say, I'll try anything. But what also is your symptoms? Because amongst the different plants, I mean, amongst cannabis, there's many different strains. The analogy that I make is like with wine. Okay, I'm not a big I'm not a wine drinker, but or we can go red apples, green apples, but there's lots of red apples or, you know, there's white wine and there's red wine, but there's lots of red wines. There's lots of white wines. There's lots of Merlots. So understanding what these difference in the in the cannabis world, you'll hear what's talked about sativas, which tend to be more stimulating, energetic, better for focus. A lot of people tend to use them more during the day. And there are indigas, which are more calming, relaxing, sedating, tending to use more at night, better for pain. And there are hybrids. So if a sativa is too stimulating or an indica is too, um, too calming, too sedating, that a hybrid may be what a person's need is. But then there's lots of sativas, lots of indigas, lots of hybrids. And the difference amongst all of those is more about a second ingredient, which are called terpenes. And terpenes, there are some that are more stimulating, more they're calming, better for pain. And so understanding these terpenes and how to find the proper strains Again, with proper education, and also I've gotten really good at med management. So if a person were to say to me, hey, I'm getting these benefits, but not these benefits, I can usually make a a new strain recommendation or way of taking it as part of just that general counseling that we're able to do. And people can contact us in between uh, their certifications if they want, you know, one of the things that I also do, cause I realized in, I can only be the doctor for somebody in the state of Florida, but I did create a, a, a secondary consultation business where I can do what we call educational consulting. That's dr. David um, MD, Doctor David, MD. So the people all over the country, even out, out, in, out, outside the country, have patients in Canada, who will consult. And we 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 establish that we're not a doctor-patient relationship. It's more of an educator um, relationship. But I can do online shopping with them at their on, at their local dispensaries. I can uh, really go through with them um, and and go through the whole process. So I'm not just limited in the state of Florida as to who I can help.
0: That's the drdavidmd.com URL. That's correct.
1: that is correct. I'll put
0: links. Uh, so that our audience can find that in our show notes today because I think that's very helpful Dr Berger thank you for for doing that so let let's talk let's get back to this this idea of experiencing a high you know college days aside the idea uh-huh. that it that potentially that a low, thc cannabis product could eliminate other meds is is potentially you know an enormous benefit might far outweigh the risk for for some patients but i think there's still apprehension Mm -hmm. i think many of my audience might associate this high as something they're just not interested in so maybe Mm -hmm. go into a little bit more detail about what you tell patients in respect to that subject about the high
1: yeah sure so as i said you know so you know for those who don't under who haven't had the experience, it's not like a person's drunk where they're loud or stupid or silly or ha- lose control of their faculties. You can't stop breathing. You won't get you won't pass out from it. Um, you know, what I kind of describe it as is like, you know, in, a, in a, a perfect example is a person who has depression. When you're down, you'd like to go up. Which direction is up Higher. And so, you know, by but also taking this most smallest of doses and seeing how you do with it. So, you know, with an uninitiated person, you know, who, you know, even if their final dose may be 10 or 20 milligrams, we start with one or two milligrams. I like to wait three. Pardon me, three days between each um, change to give them time. You know, they maybe had a good day or a bad day. Three days, you should pretty much get a wash as to what you're, um, we're experiencing. And then if one gives you benefit, great. If not, but you tolerated fine, try two, try three. Um, when people inhale it, it's the same thing. I tell them take one inhalation. That's it. What it do for you? If you if you don't feel anything in in, um, in five minutes there, you can take another one because you'll feel it within five minutes. If not, take a third. Oh, three. That's my dose. I'm feeling good. I see my pain seems to be better. Hey, three is my dose. Um, but again, that's where it also comes back to using more of that CBD because that lowers that potential. But there's also um, some other cannabinoids to know about, such as one that's called CBG. Very, very good for for anxiety and depression. One that's called CBGA seems very good for pain and inflammation. One called CBN, very good for sleep. All of those are not intoxicating So there's so many options that are out there that if a person wants to avoid that euphoric type of feeling... Then that they can, but also, you know, the, I would say the strong majority of the plus 55 set that I work with, um, they get into THC. They just do fine. I think part of it's their comfort of talking with me Mm -hmm. because of both my experience and them knowing that I'm there for them. I tell them, Hey, if we need to talk twice a week and until we get you figured out, we'll talk twice a week. We don't charge for that. You know, so it's really I think part of it is the comfort level and that people have kind of heard that, that we're not just taking a pill mill approach. Let's get people in, mm-hmm. get them out, get them signed up, take their cash. That's so op- opposite of what we do.
0: Mm-hmm. I also think this drdavidmd.com website resource is is an enormous benefit potentially for for my audience uh many of whom are in Florida but many are outside of the state of Florida and I think that's where it gets confusing too is that and and I I definitely understand what you're saying it's not at, at dr it's not a physician a patient relationship as much as it's a uh, more doing some more teaching and education and, and perhaps even some counseling but I think there are a lot of vagaries around, uh, what the FDA is saying, state restrictions, and the future usage of medical marijuana. So, I, I know this is something that you do get involved with, particularly on the state level. So, what what are you saying to patients about this area? What what should we know about this? The the disparate yeah. the FDA restrictions, state restrictions, et cetera?
1: Right. So, you know the gov- the federal government has you know. Um, for quite a while now looked at this as a state's issue. You know, Attorney General Holder back in the Obama administration made it very clear that they weren't going to be investing any any federal resources in it. Certainly that hasn't, there's been no inkling of that's changing since then. Um, you know, on a state level, I believe the number is 39 states that now have legal medical marijuana. Um, every year more are going to pop up. I think that we will And I wouldn't, you know, I I don't on the federal level, there will probably be some changes at some point relative to um, banking, because that's one of the biggest issues right now is that federal banks can't be involved with it. So these companies have to kind of be creative with how they're um, holding their money and all. I see. But yeah, but I do. And I, I would I would certainly expect in the next decade that you will see almost every state um, be there for medical. I think the number is 17, if I'm not mistaken, around there in terms of um, recreational. I think that number is going to continue to grow up. But I think a lot of it has to do with more and more people have seen people be successful and tolerating it and so their comfort level goes up let's face it if you if your sister or if your friend um tells your co-worker tells you that hey this is really working well for me you know you're probably gonna take a good look at that i mean there is lots of research that keeps on coming out about it a lot of the research is more done on the outside this the country because of the fact that a lot of research is done with federal funds and that's where some of that crossover becomes but a, a lot of other countries you know if you look at the work that they're doing in Israel, um, on it. I mean, they've really, since the very, very early, they've been kind of the leader of the world in terms of research on it. So it's more a matter of, um, you know, people being comfortable with it, but, um, the laws are going to continue to change in the favor of the patient, in my opinion.
0: So advice might be talk to your local physician, maybe check out drdavidmd.com, but find out what is going on within your state. And, um, get that medical opinion. And and Dr. Berger, we so much appreciate your time. I just really have one kind of final question. You you, you seem to have been very open about this. I found it in my research of, of you that, that you have a diagnosed condition that you use medical grade marijuana for. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Because that I think that gives you some very personal expertise here.
1: Yeah, certainly. So six maybe seven years ago um, I was diagnosed with a form of pancreatic cancer called a neuroendocrine tumor it's not the, the terrible kind that a lot of people you hear about um, it's not um, as severe um, and so they were they had a pull they were able to resect the tumor it was sitting on top of my the artery that fed my spleen so they had to take the spleen out as well as a little part of the liver um, so it, it's the cancer diagnosis that I have qualified for um, what I'm really using it more though is for anxiety Control, you know, even though they say that I'm much less likely to have cancer coming back than a person who has the you know, pancreatic carcinoma, there's still a potential there. So, obviously, anxiety can come from that. I do also have general anxiety. In, in all honesty, if I um, ha- didn't have the cancer diagnosis, I would have used, you know, a formal anxiety diagnosis, which, you know, every state is different. But in Florida, you know, we, we, when we voted on this, there were ten different diagnoses that were listed, and then there was this eleventh clause, which most states have, which says a similarly debilitating condition. So one of the similarly deba- one of the debilitating symptoms of PTSD is anxiety, as is depression, rage, etc. So under mine, I would have then used the anxiety as a similarly debilitating condition to PTSD. But that's how a lot of people are able to get certified, even if they don't have one of the listed diagnoses. Because, you know, for instance, with my kids with autism, a lot of them have violent or irritable behaviors similar to PTSD or may have um, a speech problem similar to a person with Parkinson's. Very different type of, of speech problem. But if you can't speak, it's debilitating. So, you know, so if, if not for the cancer diagnosis, I would have also qualified under uh, under anxiety.
0: Dr. David Berger has been our guest today. Dr. Berger, thank you so much for your time. Again, we will put links up to where our audience can find out more information about Dr. Berger and his work. This has been very helpful, Dr. Berger. We'd we'd love to have you come back because I think this is an ongoing subject for our audience, Uh, a lot of interest. You've really shared some great stuff with me about CBG, CBDA, CBDN, all of this stuff I think we're going to want to know more about. We appreciate your time. We know you're very busy, so we'll let you go today. Again, our best wishes for you and your family. Family and um, please come back.
1: I would love to. I love educating people. This is fun. Thank you. All right. Have a great day.
0: My thanks to Amazon Pharmacy for all they do to support our show. Please support our sponsors who in turn support the show. Check out Amazon Pharmacy from our show notes today. My thanks, of course, to Dr. David Berger for his generous time and for his commitment to educate All of us on the subject of medical cannabis. My thanks to you, my wonderful, not old, better show audience here on radio and podcast. Please be well and be safe, which, as you know, I am telling you each and every show followed by my message to eliminate assault rifles. Only members of the military use these weapons. Assault rifles are killing our children and grandchildren in the very places they learn. School. Let's do better. Let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show here on radio and podcast. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Today's show was edited for length. To hear the full interview, please check out our website for this episode and all episodes at notold-better.com or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and be sure to leave a five-star review or comment wherever you get your podcasts. Our Twitter feed is not old better, and we're on Instagram at not old better too. The not old better show is a production of N O B S Studios. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and I hope you'll join me again next time to talk about better. The not old better show. Thanks, everybody.